I'm loving this. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to this edition of Morgan Yaspor. It is September 5th. Football has started. Um, college football all weekend. I think actually today is the fifth day in a row. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then tonight uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech are playing. So five days in a row of college football, and then we get a couple days off. And then starting Thursday, the NFL joins, joins the party for the best time of the year. How was your weekend, Trav? How much football did you watch? I watched quite a bit. I did take a nap on Saturday after the Iowa game. I, I tuned into a little bit of Iowa State after I saw that they had that all locked up. I did end up falling asleep for about an hour and a half. I uh, ate a bunch of food Saturday, drank some drinks, took a nap, woke back up, got ready for that night schedule. And it was, I, I didn't hardly do anything other than just lay around and watch football. And I can't complain. I've been waiting no, for it. You know, obviously Saturday was a big day for us. We went up to Iowa State uh, to the game. Uh, we left about 6.45 in the morning and got back about 7 o'clock at night. So we made a 12-hour day. It was fun. You know, I really did not watch any football um, except for the Iowa State game. Like, I did not see one snap of the Iowa game. Obviously, I heard all about it, seen highlights and or lowlights, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that's the thing about going to games – that's the only downside is you don't get to watch the other games, especially where that game was right in the middle of the day. So you left early. You know, we were at our parking spot at nine o'clock. We were at our friend's camper at, you know, 10 o'clock, um, you know, hung around, had some drinks and ate some food, went to another friend's camper for a while and then went into the game and stuff. And then after went to a couple places again, just because there's no point in trying to get out right away. And then by the time you get home, took Tyler's friend. We, Tyler took a friend to this one, dropped him off. I picked up Paige back home. It just, it makes for a long day, but that's what's fun about it. Um, great weather, perfect weather. Uh, the new bridge at Iowa State, I'm sure you've heard about that. I mean, everybody walked across that, I actually walked across it. It just, I mean, obviously I know them, but it wasn't planned, but walked across, across it with uh, Jack Whitford, who played receiver when I was there. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting talking to him. And then obviously he does the reaction shows after the game. And, you know, we just kind of were talking, you know, we were there and, you know, 99 to 03 or 02, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just how much different everything is now compared to then. And yes, it's not real recent, but it isn't really that long ago either. Yeah. Time flies. I mean, it's about 20 years, which it doesn't seem like it's been 20 years, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but the, the bridge looked really looked good. We, we talked about last episode. It's needed. It's a great addition. It's a lot and bigger than I thought it was. I mean, like it is a long bridge. Like it's I mean, I don't know really how long it is. I just it, it's really long and it goes right into the stadium. It's actually really cool. It'd be I mean, is it you know, how wide is it? I, I would assume it's, it's pretty wide because they well, want to make it for people leaving and going and 
Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was packed and, and, you know, going in, we actually were walking across and it was, there was a big line to get in, which kind of surprised me, but not really first game. I'm sure, I'm sure they didn't know exactly how many people would go across it to go to the game. Um, so we actually walked down the, we actually didn't enter the stadium that way. We walked around, walked down the stairs right after the road and then went in that way. It wasn't as big a line because uh, our tickets are actually on the other side. So, I mean, we have to walk around anyway. And so we did that, but out of the stadium, just walk straight across it, goes right into the RV parking lot. And that that is a great thing, you know, there, there's things that can be said that Iowa does better than Iowa State Stadium and stuff like that, but the tailgating and being accommodating for fans near the stadium, it's not close. And I don't, Hawkeye fans can say whatever they want, but Iowa State puts way more into making the tailgate experience way better than Iowa does. And some of it is out of Iowa's control because of where the stadium is, but, you know, having to, having to tailgate in parking garages, and just in random yards and stuff, just that's not what Iowa State has to do. It's all one big party at Iowa State. Yeah, we talked about last episode, Iowa State, the tailgating scene is a lot better compared to Iowa. I think Iowa's football stadium is a lot better. I'd, I'd rank it probably in the top 15 or 20 in the nation. So there's a kind of a mix there. But as, as a guy that's been to both, I can just, from my personal experience, if I have to tailgate at one of the stadiums, I'd rather tailgate at Iowa State. And they're, and they're making more and more improvements every year there. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I went and uh, Mark Willett has a, a spot there. Kelderman's have a spot in the new RV park. Saw some other people. It's really nice. I mean, you pull your RV in right there, and it is awesome. And, and they've always been able to do that, but they put it all in one spot. They've got electric hookups, much more like a campsite. And it is just a really cool place. And and I'm actually taking my camper up in, in two weeks to the 17th uh, to do it. Um, I, I I bought a spot up there, not in the RV park, but there's other places you can take RVs. And we're going to take RV, our RV up there and spend Friday night all day Saturday and come home Sunday morning. Well, that would be awesome. Yeah, you. I mean, your kids are getting that age now where this, this could be a yearly tradition, obviously. You've been going up forever, so right. keep it going and – Obviously, I don't know if you want to start with Iowa or Iowa State first, but well, let's go Iowa too. State just because, like I said, I did not watch Iowa at all. I did not watch one snap. I, I've obviously heard all about it from Hawkeye fans, um, and then I've watched some highlights, but I did not see one snap of the Iowa game. So let's start with Iowa State. Um, really, it was exactly what you wanted. Got out to a 21 nothing lead. Um, they did uh, drive down and score a touchdown. Then Hunter Deckers threw a pick. They got a field a return to pretty good, held them to a field goal. Um, got so it's 21 10 and a half, and then you know, 42 to 10, three more touchdowns. Um, starters got out in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, we talked about it. Deckers is going to make mistakes, and the one pass that got picked, it was he didn't make the right throw, and that's going to happen. I mean, he's not going to be perfect, uh, but overall. Overall, the game was exactly how we wanted it. Um, it was really never in doubt uh, who was going to win that game. Uh, got a lot of people in. Backup quarterback, Rocco uh, Beck, who uh, played well through, did not have an interception, but a couple uh, passes that might have been uh, touchdowns. Uh, got back-to-back -back calls for interference, you know. So, um, 
just overall great game. Exactly what you wanted going into the Iowa game. Yeah, great for the uh, starters to get out there, get the experience, the young guys, or the guys that don't have as much starting time as we talked about last week. Get the backups in there. It's what you want out of the first week. Like I said, I probably watched about six or seven minutes of that game. Uh, by the time I tuned in, I could tell it was basically over. I think it was one of Decker's last drives, but he looked good. Um, yep. Yep. I, I wish Iowa had a quarterback like that. <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, he's played one game, but just, you know, we talked that he's different than Brock Purdy. The biggest thing I saw was he's got a quick release, and I think he makes decisions. He's not as worried about being perfect. He relies on his arm more than, you know, Purdy did, I think. I mean, just this is one game. This is one person's opinion. But, like, he didn't get sacked, and it wasn't because he didn't have pressure on him. He could sidestep it a little bit, and then he'd throw the ball, and it'd be quick. And, you know. Um, it just, it was good to see quick release and get the ball out. And that was the one thing, if I had to make one, um, thing that I'm, I'm a little bit worried about, uh, was the pass rush against, uh, Southeast Missouri. We did not have a sack on the day. A couple of times we got pressure, uh, their quarterback made a few moves and got out of it. Um, but I don't think we did a lot of blitzing. So, I mean, just, I mean, I, I'd like to know how many blitzes we actually had. We didn't have to. You know, we can cover their guys. The one touchdown they got, I thought it was going to be intercepted, and the guy just mossed us, essentially just out-jumped us and got at the high point and just made a play. Then. And, so, and that does happen. But, you know, Iowa State's not going to score 42 points uh, next week. And I would say that Iowa State's going to not hold them to 10, but I, I guess if Iowa plays as bad on offense as that, uh, they will. But uh, I don't think they will. It'll be – I think it's going to be a very good game. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say, you know, 30 to 20 will be the, the game, would be my guess. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, anything else about Iowa State? Like I said, I only watched a few minutes. Uh, anything that – any other players that you want to just give a shout-out to that maybe stuck out? Um, you know, not really on defense. Like I said, that was the one place that the uh, I just didn't like wow me. Um, I watched Will McDonald, our best player, our defensive end, all American. Um, they were not going to let him get to him. They put tight ends over there. They chipped him and that's going to happen all year. And so the other side has to get pressure and it didn't happen on Saturday. Um, running backs, Obviously, Xavier Hutchinson, our, our best receiver, had three touchdowns. Um, he played really well. And then running back went for 100 yards, averaged about five yards a carry. I think we went for 178 total. Um, you know, four running backs played. Deckers can run a little bit. Um, but we're going to see a different defense on Saturday. So uh, we just need to score some points. And the number one thing, you know, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but let's go to Iowa here. But no, um, running back was good. Quarterback was good. Defense, maybe a little bit uh, worrisome would be my take overall. Yeah, and like we talked about, good for Iowa State to get the, the first victory of the year. Yep. Uh, we talked about the, the first month has kind of been. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, them. you think about, you know, they've lost to you and I under Campbell. 
They lost to Louisiana. They went to overtime with you and I and had to recover an own fumble or they lose the game. They won that game. And then they had one game where they blew out you and I. So this was only the second time that they've had an easy first win. They had one game canceled in that sitting in there. They played South Dakota State. What was up seven to nothing in the first three minutes, had a long pass play, and then it was canceled because of a lightning storm. So, um, so I mean, out of the seven years, they've only played six games. So it's just the way it is. But yeah, the, the beginning of the season has not been good to Iowa State and Coach Campbell. So, so that was uh, as good as you could ask for. Same thing we talked about previously, start out one to know. You guys had the sexy victory, and now as we're getting into Iowa, they had the ugliest victory that we might see all season. <laughs> so, well, uh, but it's now, a W. You'll take I it. To, yeah, I should pull this up before we go too far, Trev. I should pull this stuff up on Twitter. But you watch stuff, and it's like since 1897, there's been like four wins where they've had less than 100 yards, and offense scored less than the defense, and still won a football game. And out of the four wins, it's like three of them are Iowa. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I saw that, like two or three of the Iowa. So, and and listen, if if I would have told you that, you know, you were in the hospital or something and there was some game that ended seven to three and the team that won had two safeties and a field goal, your first guess would have been Iowa, right? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who it's else would have been? <laughs> uh, it is unbelievable. It's not fun, but it is unbelievable. So, yeah. so, so recap the Iowa game for, for uh, just your, your views of it. Obviously I didn't watch any of it. We'll, we'll get into these guys later. The defense and special teams did their job just like they did last year. No yep. surprise there. Got to get into Spencer Petrus. First of all, extremely disappointed in him. Uh, I think he's maybe one of the worst starting quarterbacks that we've seen in Iowa. I was expecting a lot more from him. Now it is one game, but we saw this the last half of, of last season as well. And to barely pass for over a hundred yards, th there was five different throws I had written down where he had receivers basically wide open or open enough. And the offensive line did a good job or did a good enough job for him to complete those passes. Now he doesn't have to go five for five on those throws, but he at least needs to go three for five mm -hmm. or four for five. If you're good, he, he went over five on one was a screen pass to a wide open running back. He did have a guy coming in his face, but you know that on a screenplay, that's going to happen. And I, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he looks really good in practice. And then one, once the whistle blows in a regular game, he just has no confidence out there. And I was extremely disappointed in him. I expected much better things out of Petrus. So do you think this game is on Petrus more or on Coach Ferrant, both Coach Ferrances? Petrus. Everybody, everybody can say what they want about Brian Ference, but Kirk Ference is the one, you know, pulling the strings overall. I didn't mind the play calls. I thought the play yeah. calls were actually fine. If I had to rank it from frustration standpoint, Petrus is number one by far. O-line is number two. I was disappointed yep. in the O-line as well. But like I said, they, they did have a handful of plays where they did pass protect well enough. And Petrus didn't do anything good. I mean, there's one play where Iowa actually had a, uh, I think it was legal formation, and they Petrus threw the ball to a Laporta, 
and it was a short pass, quick little pass. Laporta was open, and Petrus threw way behind him. I saw people saying, "Well, it was a legal formation." It's like, well, yeah, but Petrus didn't know that at the time, and he right. still could, he still could not make that throw. So, uh, Petrus was the most frustrating part. The O line was the second most, and really the play calling by Brian Ferentz, I really didn't have too much of a problem with. Like I said, I last week I know I I put more on Brian. Uh, this week, at least for the first week of the season, it's on Petrus and the O line. All right, now here's a question. I proposed this to Zach the other night. I go, how bad is Padilla and the other guy that they did not play in that game? That's my that's my big question is how bad – if I'm Padilla and I don't go into that game, I'm never going in, and I transferred Saturday evening. Well, he is a junior, but I, I get your point. Padilla is not very good. Uh, but the, the problem is, Coach Kirk Ferentz, when he when he announces a starter, he does not like going back on that. He's not a guy that likes to make changes. Right. And, and I agree with that. But that's what I'm just saying is, if I'm Padilla, I know I can never go in a game unless Petrus is hurt after watching what happened. So there is no point in being there. That's I think it, in a big picture. I, I think Papadia sees the field this Saturday, potentially. But if he doesn't, I wouldn't blame him. He's a junior. I I wouldn't blame him for going somewhere else. I mean, he can at least move. Petrus, as you were talking about Iowa State not getting much of a pass rush, Petrus is a damn statue back there. Yep. And that's fine and dandy if you can at least complete passes. He can't even complete a damn pass. That's I mean he's literally the worst Iowa quarterback I think I've ever seen. I, I think I think his QBR this week was one point one. Yes, I sent that uh that yep. picture to our, our group chat. And I, I don't know where that came from, but I, I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but I would assume it's pretty close. Oh, that's close, yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I watched Jay Christensen there for like two years or two and a half. I mean, Christensen was better than – Petrus just has no confidence. Now, obviously, Charlie Jones transfers, had some injuries. That, that's part of it. But when you have a full offseason, and like I said, there was five or six throws out there he's got to be able to hit at least half of those. And he didn't hit a single one of them. And here's my big thing is going into this game, Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, Spencer Petrus, all knew they had to be better. Knew it. Had to be better. Just looks, had to execute better, and it didn't happen. How, how big of a failure in a big picture sense is that? I mean, if we're just doing week one overreaction, it's it's awful because as Zach said in our group chat, last year, this year, Iowa, we have an elite all-time defense, an elite all-time uh, punter and special teams. Kicker, we'll wait to see with Aaron Blom. That's to be determined, but the rest right. of special teams is elite. You have an NFL tight end, and you can barely pass for 100 yards. And the rushing game was not effective except for one drive, basically. And then we fumbled. Yeah, I mean, it's – I wish we had all – I mean, the, the joke is, I mean, you want Iowa State's offense and then Iowa's everything else. And it, yeah. You put Iowa State's offense on last year's Iowa's team, um, they, they're probably in the Final Four, just being honest. Good chance. I'd, I'd, I'd pay $100 out of my own pocket right now to, to uh, get Iowa State's quarterback just for one week, if you don't mind, hand them over. 
Well, this is the one week I don't want to do that at all. But <laughs> but I get what you're give saying. Give us your and, second and, string. I don't care. Give and, us, and give that, us whoever your backup is. That's that's here's here's a question for you. I I think somebody wrote this. It was I mean it's a joke, but would you trade our quarterback for your punter? That is a good question because I, I, boy, that is tough because we don't have the, if the offensive line was better, you still, I would, your quarterback's awful, but you still win. But if you don't have that punter, holy, your punter is the MVP. He is the MVP of the team. That, that really, it's so easy to say the quarterback, right? But man, that, that is a really good question. <laughs> I, I'd probably want to go switch to quarterbacks just and just cross our fingers that we can have a punter that can have like two good ones a game. And right. If we have a better quarterback, obviously we're moving the ball. So yeah, you don't you don't need the you don't need the punter, but yeah, that's the joke is but you have to think about it. I mean, you think about I well, like if we have a really good punter, we don't need a quarterback, but yeah, I mean that's kind of the joke is trade the quarterback for punter on any other team, it's a no-brainer. It's not close. Yeah, it's but. just so frustrating. Like I I watch a ton of college football from Thursday till I haven't watched the game tonight, but through the weekend. And you see these teams, and they got these quarterbacks that can move, they can run, more modern style. And I get Iowa has a specific way they want to play. Don't turn the ball over. Be smart. And there is something to that. But, man, it would be nice to have a quarterback that maybe he's got a little bit of speed that can run for three or four first downs in a game. If we can and do that, we can win a lot of ball games with that defense. Well, and the teams. problem is you win a lot of ball games without it. So – you know, you can say what you want, and Petrus has thrown like one touchdown in the last ten football games. It's a thin line, though, that we're <laughs> right. But you, but you've won every one. Like I saw a thing tonight that in the last uh, two years, two little over two years, in one score games or two score games. One of well, one of them was last year's Iowa State Iowa game was twenty seven seventeen was a final, so it had to be t maybe just ten, you know, ten or less. You're eight no. You know, I mean, so when it's close, you win. And that's because of defense and special teams. Yeah, exactly. And then the parents, uh, the parents' philosophy and being there for over 20 years, that all right. adds up. So it would just it would just be nice. It's fun to think about it, man. If we had a quarterback that could just move a little, I mean, if we had Brad Banks or Ricky Stanzi, Drew Tate, right. uh hell, I'd take Nathan Chandler at this point. Uh if we had Nathan Chandler, I'd about lock us in for 10 wins. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I was listening to Chris Hassel. He's got a new podcast out. Um, it's pretty good. He's with Chris Williams, who's Iowa State guy, but they kind of do a two guys named Chris, and it's kind of a, a back and forth. But he had to do an instant reaction. And he thinks if Petrus starts every game for Iowa, the most wins they'll have is six. He hates Petrus. Absolutely hates him. Well, if if Petrus does start the entire season, I still, from what I saw last year, I, I, I still think seven or eight's on the board with Petrus, just because that's that's been the Ferentz way for so many years. Now, this is a little bit more extreme. Right. And, and, and just law of averages, you know, he's beat, you know, Iowa's beaten Iowa State, Nebraska, and Minnesota all like seven years in a row, whatever it is. Just statistically speaking, you guys, I mean, it could, you could be 10 and 0 going into those games and the odds are you're going to lose one of them, you know, just because it may not happen, but just, you know, 
the odds are you're going to lose one of those games, one of those three games this year. Mm-hmm. Just because, just because you're, I mean, it keeps happening. So until it does, you, you can still brag about it and be awesome. That's awesome. But just, you know, one of those games you would think, I mean, you've won like 21 in a row out of those three games. That doesn't happen in football too often. No, it doesn't. And as Zach said in our group chat, again, we've got an elite defensive special teams, NFL tight end, and it might go to waste. It probably will unless we find a new quarterback. Again, the offensive line, I think, is the most underrated part of the team. Yep. I thought Brian Ferentz called a fine game. The running game wasn't really working, so I saw some people asking for more runs, which that's easier said than done when you're not running it very well besides a drive or two. But it just – Petrus has got to complete – passes when guys are wide open i mean you just have to you're a division one quarterback right i got a question for you i heard this i was listening to i was listening to the iowa state calling show on the way home and then i flipped it over to the iowa calling show uh after the games and this guy brought up an interesting point so the last couple of years the offensive line obviously linnebaum was the best but overall mm-hmm. last year's offensive line wasn't very good and then through one game this year's isn't very good. Is there any correlation to Chris Doyle not being there and not having as good an offensive line? That very well could be. I mean, that's that's a very fair question. Obviously, Kirk is still there. He's he's known as one of the best offensive line coaches in history at any right. level. But, but just yeah, that- under a, a men, you know, strength coaches have it's it's a, they're a mental you know mental toughness you know, physicality. And, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I was never in that weight room with him. I never, you know, I went to the Iowa State room, weight room and stuff, but I never went over and watched Chris Doyle. Probably should have, um, but I just never did. And it, it just, it just, that was a good question that was brought up in the Hawkeye call-in show. And I just, I kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, I don't I have no idea. Um, maybe they just really aren't as good. Um, and it doesn't matter who the it was, but it just it just made me think a little bit that, you know, as we go forward, will they miss Coach Doyle more and more? Because he that's a, you that's can say what you want about what happened, but when he was their strength coach, they were unbelievable, and he was as good as there was. Yes, he was, and that, that's a very good point, very good question. We'll see. I mean it'll take another year or two to really probably know, right. but it's, it's yeah. trending that way. So it, it, that's a very fair question to bring up. And that, that could be something uh, we do have Proctor coming in as a recruit, but that that's just one guy, obviously. So yeah, the, the offense line is, it, it's kind of weird to say that I always got a questionable offense line. Now it doesn't help when you can't run or pass and you're down receivers and you have a terrible quarterback. So maybe that has a little bit to do with it. Right. Uh, but we'll, we'll know more in, uh, in a couple of years from now, whether, but that, that's a legit question though. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know the answer to it or anything, but I just thought that was good. All right. So I think that's enough of talking about last week's games for them. I got to make my prediction real quick. Okay. You brought, what do you say? You, you picked Iowa State. I doubt you're changing your pick. I wouldn't think. I, I, I cannot pick Iowa to win the football game. I'm going to pick Iowa State to win, but it's going to be very, very close. Um, I'm, I'm going to say 27, no, 24, 21, Iowa state. That's okay. my final pick. I'm going Iowa 23, 
Iowa State 16. And there's it was, this was tough for me to do because I think two things are going to happen. One, obviously, the Kirk Ferentz philosophy is going to hold up for another year of this rivalry. The defense will show up versus young players and playing on the road. That'll factor in. Yep. Or what will happen is Iowa State will win this game. Uh, Petrus will play like crap. And I think the fans are going to go absolutely berserk at Kinnick if that does happen. And I think it's going to be a changing of the guard, so to speak. So I, I and that's not crazy to say either one of those, but I think one of those two, two things are going to happen. So, so you think if Petrus is a quarterback the entire game, and let's say he doesn't have a good game, you think the crowd just goes absolutely haywire on Ferentz? Yeah, I, I think I, there's no other way around it. Now, whether the Ferentz's really acknowledge it or let it affect them, that's a different story. But I think right. the Iowa faithful, if Petrus has a bad game and they lose, I think the crowd's going to absolutely lose it. I, I think this is a changing point right here type of game. So if you would ask me before the season, I would have been like, you know, 80% confident on Iowa. Now it's probably more like 55-45. I'm just mm -hmm. giving Iowa the benefit of the doubt just because out of Kirk Ferentz's philosophy. So I think – if Iowa wins, then they win. But if they lose and Petrus plays like crap, which is very possible, I, I think we're going to start to really get a lot of pressure on on the Ferences to make some kind of a change at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, yeah, if, if Petrus plays bad and they lose and he doesn't get replaced, it's not going to go well in Hawkeye land. No, it's not. And when you got Indiana the next week, that's probably the perfect time to put in a new guy, whether it's Papadilla or some other young guy. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Iowa, but I'm not as confident as I was just one week ago by any means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk one more thing here on uh, college. Um, Big 12 had a bad – or uh, Pac-12 had a bad weekend. Horrible. I, I actually, I think a horrible weekend. Um, the pictures came out, UCLA, it said 27,000 uh, people in the Rose Bowl. As they, the joke was, is there was 20,000 se season ticket holders that weren't there. I mean, it was nobody there. Utah goes to the Swamp as a top 10 team and loses. And then Oregon gets absolutely humiliated by Georgia. A couple things on that last Utah or uh, Georgia, Oregon. Georgia's just as good as they were. Maybe uh, you kind of thought they might take a step back. I don't think they did. And Oregon may not be as, as good as we, we thought, and coaching changes just are hard. And then, obviously, Utah is probably not what uh, they are, or maybe Florida's back. As far as everything else, like you said, I, I agree with all of it. I think Utah is still a really good team. Yep. But as we talked about last week, I think going the Swamp week one, I don't care if Florida's even – that's a tough game. Now, granted, Utah was ranked seventh. You have right. to show up for that game. You have Yeah, to. if you want to get to the playoff, you go play those games. you got to win. Right, and I give them credit for going and playing that game. Right. That's not that's not a layup by any means. So, Utah, they, they probably should have won the game. Uh, I'm sure you saw the end of it. As a quarterback, experienced quarterback, you cannot yep. make that throw. Right. You, you got to realistically, obviously, that's worst case scenario, but the better worst case scenario should be kick a field goal, go to overtime. Right. I agree. You, you cannot turn it over there. So 
I felt bad for Utah, but I wasn't totally shocked by that one because just playing in the swamp early in the year, Florida's got some talent. They got Richardson at quarterback. I, I was not shocked by that one. I felt bad for Utah, but in today's playoff, and uh, I know we'll have to take a break here shortly, but we're, we're going to touch on the, uh, the new expanded playoffs here just in a bit briefly, but th that that's going to cost them. I mean, they're going to have to run the table minimum to even have a shot from now, here on out. Well, the, the biggest thing that those teams just don't get one, the weather in Florida compared to Utah, I guarantee that have, have some big part of it. It is yep. different. Um, even Iowa going to Florida would be hard, but it wouldn't be near as hard as Utah going to Florida. Um, and then the other thing is Utah is not used to playing in front of 91,000 people. I don't care what anybody says. The Pac-12 does not get fans like that. No, they don't. And Florida is not – they're not a bad team on paper. They've, they've got some players. So I wasn't totally shocked. I was, like I said, I was disappointed that that's the way it ended. Uh, going back to who you mentioned to start off with here, uh, Georgia. <laughs> Georgia might be the most underrated great team of all time because they had so many players drafted in the first round and the entire draft. But I'm almost starting to wonder if if Georgia might have a chance to go on a little mini dynasty here. Now they're not going to match Alabama's. Right, but, but they're, they're going to be right there. Would you be totally shocked if they won two or three national titles in the next? total in the next like six years give or take no not at all and then even if you don't win it do they play for two or three more absolutely you know i mean you look at like oklahoma oklahoma only had one national title one at 99 but they played for three others you know over mm -hmm. the course of the next 10 years you know they didn't win any of those but they they still played for them you know you can say what you want about texas Texas won one in 05, and I think they played for another one in 10, you know. So, I mean, McCoy got hurt. Yeah, yeah, they played for another one. That changed the whole game. That was kind of the beginning of the Alabama run. Yep. Um, yeah, McCoy gets hurt. Guy that never played had to come in and actually didn't play horrible, you know. Um, so, you know, and you look at an LSU, you know, they've got two. And they played, you know, they played for another one where they had to play out. They had beat Alabama earlier in the year and then had to go play them again and lost to them. You know, if you get to the playoffs and you are, you know, Georgia has got, well, if Georgia would get back there this year, would they be in three of the last five national championship games? I believe that's right. I, I, it, that beat sounds Alabama, about right. Lost to, lost to Tua. And then, you know, when Tua came in and the second yep. half lost that one when they were ahead. And then if they played for this one, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they're good. I mean, and it wouldn't shock me. When you get in one game, when you have the talent that Georgia does, Georgia can play with anybody in the country, any game, anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it felt like just everyone, including myself, was kind of sleeping on them. Not totally because they were still a top three to four ranked team, but it uh, – I wouldn't be so shocked if they, if they go out and win it again. I, I don't know. It, it's tough to replace that much talent to the draft, but they also have a lot of talent waiting on the bench. Yeah. And so that's, you know, and that that's the talk with Iowa state. You didn't know these guys, but their, their ceiling is probably actually higher than the guys in front of them. Well, it's the same thing with Georgia. They're, you know, those guys are sitting behind guys that got drafted in the NFL. 
well, these guys are probably going to get drafted too. They just haven't played yet. So you just have to wait for them to play. Well, they're good. That That's right. That's right. And uh, I think we need to take a short, just a little quick little break with our, our new system here. But I did want to touch on real quick the new 12-team playoff briefly, if yes. that's okay with you. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Well, let's take a quick break here, and we'll, we'll be right back with uh, the 12-team playoff talk. Sounds good. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to finish up here in about the next uh, five, ten minutes here on college. Um, really, the next big story is uh, the 12-team playoff coming in 2026, I believe, if not before. You know, my big question I've asked a few people here and you get different answers are with that, with the expansion of the 12 team playoff are Oklahoma, Texas, UCLA and USC, you know, any regrets in their decision to go because I think their chances of winning a national title title just got harder with what their decisions were. Under the old format, I'd agree. Under the new format, I would disagree for two points. One's the obvious one with the TV money, like you and I have talked about before. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, the SEC, UCS, or USC, UCLA, going to Big Ten. The money, there's more money there. Oh, that's not the question. They are getting way more money. Yeah. So that's, that's point I'm number. I'm just saying their chances of winning a national title, I think, got harder. I think they got better. Because they're, I do, because Texas and U.S. or Texas and Oklahoma, for instance, they're going to get more recruits from the SEC platform, the southern states. Okay. Would you disagree with that or would you agree? I think they're going to get about, Oklahoma's not going to change their recruiting rankings. Maybe where they get them might change a little bit, but they're a top 10 ranking every year right now anyway. And so is Texas. What's going to, how are they going to win? How are they going to win more games, I guess, is my question. Well, they couldn't compete to begin with when the playoff was at four. Right. So it can only get better. I'm just saying, I think if and, – and you're saying – I'm saying even if there isn't automatic bids. If you're saying if there's automatic bids – I believe there is automatic bids. I believe that's the way it's structured. Then their chances of going to the playoff, I think, shrunk a lot because I just don't see Texas winning the SEC in the next 15 years. I'm not saying ever, but I'm just saying in the next 15 years, I don't see Texas winning it. It's a good question. Now, it depends from my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, so don't hold me to it at the moment. But I believe the the major conferences are going to get the automatic bid. There's going to be an at at five, and then there's going to be the the next six ranked teams. Right. With the top four getting the buys, obviously. Yep. We've all heard that. But what I think is going to happen, though, is – that USC and UCLA, they they couldn't compete. The Pac-12 has been dead for quite a while now. They they can't compete anyway. So what they're going to do is they're going to expand their TV money, and they're going to expand their recruiting base, and they're going to start to get more of those Midwest offensive linemen. Now, is it going to be a lot of them? Probably not. But is it going to be more than they got before? Sure. That's where they need to get better at. They have the quarterbacks and the receivers and the D-backs. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, for example. Uh, they have all the offensive skill position people that you'd want in the world. 
right. but they need they need the, the trenches again and maybe some defensive backs. I think they can get that in those SEC states. So, yes, it's going to be tougher to get the automatic bid if you're the conference champion. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But when you expand to 12, those big teams, the Oklahoma, Texas, USC, those guys are automatically always going to get ranked a spot or two higher. Oh, yeah. Maybe a team at 10 like uh, Utah or someone, you know, depending on who's beat who. Right. So what they're going to – I mean, you think about it, If there are – I think they're going to have to do a little bit of changing in the conference championship games because those games aren't going to matter because the, the – the, you know, at least in the SEC and the Big Ten – those two teams playing for the championship, they're in the top 12. I don't care what anybody says. Every year. Those two conferences for sure. Those, but right. those Unless some team has like three losses or something right. weird. But I get what you're saying 95% of the time. Yeah. So, and okay, so let's do it a different way. If there is the automatic bids, I think Iowa State's chances to get to the playoff have just increased dramatically. And they're saying thank you to Oklahoma and Texas for leaving. I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, you still probably have to win the Big 12, but that's okay. You're going to have to probably win the Big 12 anyway. Or you could or you could go 10 and 2 and maybe right. lose a close uh Big 12 championship by 3 or something and maybe the 11th ranked team and you get in. Okay, so I, I had this argument with Zach the other night. Here's a, here's this here's a scenario for you. Iowa State wins the Pac-12. Now this is in a no automatic bid situation just top 12 teams. Let's say the college football playoff ranks them top 12 go. Iowa State wins the pack and wins the Big 12 and somehow they went they went 12 and 1 with their one loss being to Iowa. But they ran the Big 12. Okay? And then you have the pack the uh, SEC and the Big 10 has their fourth place team at 10 and three, say it's Iowa. They're 10 and three somehow. And their battle, he doesn't think Iowa State or whoever would win the Big 12 would be in the top 12 because he thinks the conference is just that bad. I said, I'm not saying they're going to be in the top four, but they will be in the top 12. And he just thinks I'm crazy. I go, I don't, ha I don't know how you have a one loss team not in the top 12 ever. I don't care what conference you play in. I get the the. I think I get the way he's looking at it. From Iowa may be the better team, but when you have three losses versus one loss team, even if you beat them, I'm not saying it's fair, and I'm not saying the Big Twelve in the future is going to be the conference that it should be. But uh, just going by human nature, and a lot of people have a tough time understanding that these are voted on by humans. Mm -hmm. So if Iowa State's sitting there at uh, with a one loss record. Even if the conference is weaker, they're just going to put one team in just right. to say they put one team in from the Big 12. Now, I'm not saying they deserve to be in, but they will get in. Right. And I, and, and the Iowa might get in, too, at 10 and 3. I'm not saying they're not. But I'm just saying a one-loss Big 12 champion will be in the 12-team playoff. I even think the one-loss AAC team or whoever's the top-ranked Group of five will be in that 12-team playoff, just like Cincinnati was last year. Because I just, you know, say Air Force this year goes 11 and one. They'll be, they'll be in the top 10 ranked. 
you know, they probably won't get in the 14 playoff, but I, I would say they probably will, would get in a 12 team playoff. Yeah, no, it, it, it's going to create a bunch of new, uh, new and fun stuff. I, I like it. And I don't know if, if you saw Joe Klatt's little spiel on this, but I'm sure ESPN or sports center did stuff. I don't watch those channels anymore. I haven't for years, but he, he's got his podcast now on a YouTube channel. Joe Klatt, I think is about as good as they come. Joe Klatt's really good. And we'll get so he, to that. Um, right after but, this. So I wanted to bring up one question real quick for you. If, unless you have anything more on, on Iowa, Iowa state in the playoffs anyway. Nope. They're all good. Okay. So he brought up a point. Since the playoffs been going, only about 10% of the teams in college football have made the playoff appearance. Right. If you go back, I think it was 2014 or 2015, if they had this 12-team format since that day, if they started originally with 12, 41 different teams would have made the playoff. Yeah. Now, exclude the big names, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio States. We know that. And then right. also – Iowa and Iowa State both would have made it one year. Yep, yep. That's but what I was going to say. I, I think I saw this list. Here's Iowa and Iowa State both would be in it. Yep, real quick. Here's a list. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's about 10 names. But but think about this. Some of these names will surprise you. Uh, TCU. Yep. Arizona. Boise State. Colorado. Mm -hmm. Indiana. Memphis. Kansas State. UNC. Pittsburgh and Western Michigan all would have made the college football playoff mm -hmm. since 2014 or whenever it started with this new format. And he, he's just saying, he's like, he thinks it's going to be good because it's going to spread around the recruits, not a ton, right. but just a little more because when you're a Michigan, a Penn state and Oklahoma state, and you can go into a recruits house and say, Hey, we've made two playoff appearances in six years. That's a big deal. To, to some recruits. So it, it might help spread the talent around just a little. Yep. Alabama is still going to dominate. Yep. But it might help just a tad. It, it's it's not going to change who wins the whole thing. Probably it gives not. everybody a little bit. Because right now, what's what's happened here is you have the championship, the, the final four, then nothing else matters. Really, like no bowl game matters. Not, I mean, you got people sitting out, everything else. It's all exhibition. So at least that gives – it's much like – think of baseball a little bit where they've expanded the playoff. It gives that many more teams hope and a chance to get in. That's all it does. Are those teams going to win the World Series? Probably not. But it gives them a chance to play for the wild card and to play for, you know – and that the NFL has expanded. It gives that many more teams a couple more weeks of hope. That's all it does. That's exactly right. And we're going to get in the NFL here shortly, but you're right. It's more hope. Yeah. The, and these teams getting an extra home game, you know, could you imagine Iowa yeah. or Iowa state hosting uh, Florida in the yeah. wintertime? How cool would that be yeah. is to have Florida state come up and play Iowa or Iowa state December 15th. How cool would that be? It'd be awesome. So that I, I, I like it. Um, it's not like Joel Class said, it's not going to be overnight. This is going to take years, but right. it probably is the right move long term thinking. Yep. I agree. All right. Let's uh, wrap up college and let's move uh, to the NFL. Sounds good. All right. And this is more your wheelhouse. College is mine, but the NFL is yours. Uh, first games on Thursday. Um, my one big question is 
any big injuries or anybody not playing earlier in the early in the year that is, you know, game changing or team changing? There's a few out there. I mean, obviously Tyron Smith for uh, for the Cowboys, their left tackle, he's out till about December. Uh, it's tough right now because a lot of teams are not releasing their injury reports. We're doing this on Monday night. If this was a day or two later, I'd have a better idea. And I'm going to make some some line picks. Uh, probably get go over the top a little bit, but yeah, Thursday night's the the first game, and Bills at the Rams. I I think that's a great opening game of the year. I I don't know if you had any uh, teams you want to talk about specifically. Your any thoughts on your Bears before I kind of get into some bets that I've got written down or or anything like that. I just you know there there's. The NFL is just weird to me, and, you know, the Bears went undefeated in the in the preseason, right? I don't know if they went undefeated, but I know Fields had a great last game. Right. But whatever, I just – I still think they're going to be really bad. And I just hope that uh, they can protect Fields and, and see the hope that they want with him. So when they draft about number 10 – they can trade it and get a whole bunch of picks so they don't have to draft a quarterback. That's well, my hope. I'd be surprised if they're picking as good as 10 or as bad as 10, however you want to look at it. Because I, I think there's a chance that the Bears have the number one overall pick. Well, that that would even be better because then you can trade that pick. Or, yeah, or you can get a new quarterback. I mean, it's the best. Yeah. I, I, I suppose if you're the number one pick, you probably are questioning whether you should – you got the guy. Well, and they got a new regime coming in, and I just – Mike Martz, obviously, who coached the Rams and the Bears for a while, he was – I forget where he was at, some show or a podcast, but he was talking. He's like, I, I don't see any real major talent outside of really running back and maybe one receiver on the Bears' offense. No, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. On and, paper, it's awful. I agree with you. And I just don't – you know, I just, I just don't see how they – you know – yeah, like you said, picking 10th would be a great season for the Bears, actually. But I just don't see how they – I think they blew it up and they're they're truly starting over and they're giving everybody one year. And I just hope they think they found their guy so they don't have to draft another quarterback. But you think about what the Vikings did, you know, Kellen Mund, who, you know, wasn't the number 10 pick or whatever Fields was, but – was, you know, a third-round pick, and they bring in a new coaching staff, and they just release them. So um, we'll see. And I, I see that Trubisky's starting for the Steelers. So I'm watching the, the football game right now, and that's going across the bottom as Trubisky has announced the starter. So. Yep, he's announced the starter. I, I think that's probably the right call there. Oh, I, I do, I too. Didn't, I didn't really have too much of a – I wasn't one side or the other hammer my fist. They both played good in the preseason. The weakness of that Steelers team is the offensive line. So, in my opinion, let Trubisky start. He's played in the league. And then, let hopefully, fingers crossed, Trubisky plays well. But if he doesn't, you bring in Pickett. And the offensive line's had a few weeks to kind of gel, get together, yep. and hopefully improve. But, yeah, Trubisky, he was named team captain or one of the offensive team captains. He's going to be the starter. I think that's probably the right call. Um, again, Mike Thomas never had a losing season. So, I – you know, if it's close, put Trubisky in. If they start 0-2, you can always uh, always put Pickett in the game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just think you do. 
Um, all right, anything else? Uh, obviously, the Bears are going to be bad. Um, what do you think of uh, the Broncos signing Russell uh, Westbrook for, what is it, 10 years or whatever, so he's going to be about 40 years old? Um, I think you just, I think you just have to do it these days. Um, it's essentially a seven-year deal, so, yeah, I right. mean, they had to, given the trade. Yeah, and then, I mean, essentially with the rules in the NFL now where you literally cannot touch the quarterback, I mean, literally – there's penalties for them touching their helmets. That age is irrelevant as long as you don't blow your knee out or whatever. You know, um, if you are relatively healthy, you can play till you're 40, really without much issue as a quarterback, I think. Yeah, I, I think Russ is going to have a lot of success here in Denver. And they had to sign him to a deal. I saw a bunch of people commenting again on Facebook and stuff. It's like, well, they didn't trade all these draft picks and players just to let them walk after, you know, (laughs) they had to sign them to a deal. Uh, So he's here. Uh, If you want to go, if you're a Broncos fan, if you want to go back to Case Keenum or Trevor Simeon or Teddy Bridgewater, be my guest. Let me know. I'll I'll put a sheet up and you can sign up. But (laughs) if you want to win 10 plus games a year, almost every year, then Russell Wilson's your guy. So this was inevitable. Uh, not much of a story. I, I think the only other big – we're getting some other stuff here briefly, but the only other question I wanted to ask you about was the Tom Brady hiatus or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the media started to make a big deal out of it. To me, if it was just him and Giselle getting in an argument, I really don't care. Like right. many people get in arguments. Now there's all these tabloids coming out saying maybe a divorce is on the way. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think that's just pure speculation and rumors. But if it does, I guess that would be a big deal. But otherwise, to me, I think it was just him taking care of his family. And as he said in an interview, you probably saw he's 44, whatever the hell he is. He's 45 now. 45. I mean, stuff comes up. Well, here's the thing. He knows how he he just didn't want to go to camp. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. He didn't want to be at camp. Nobody does. And he has the clout and the standing to say, I don't want to be there. I don't care what he did. Who cares? Yeah, he, he doesn't need to be there. So no. I know uh, we'll, we'll get into some of our picks here later. I, I text you, you got to you gotta make your final four picks like we've done the past couple of years. Yeah, we will. I mean, it, it, just think about this. Of anybody in the NFL, I mean, and, you know, we're talking about practice. I mean, you know, that's kind of, you know, funny saying, but think about the NFL in these days where – these guys don't really practice that much. It's all mental reps and it's just shorts and a t-shirt. And I truly think it's why a lot of people get hurt so much is because they don't get hit and they don't practice like they used to, but that's the reality of the situation, but they don't practice. They don't need the practice anymore. These guys are so good athletically that Tom Brady can turn on the switch and he will be just fine. Yeah, with with the way the rules are in the NFL now, there's there's no need to go full contact as much as they used to. Right. Injuries injuries are down to the primetime players. Quarterbacks aren't having season ending ACLs. No, they don't they, they, they can't get touched. So there, there's no point. Like you said, Tom Brady, he's played for like fifty years. So what's the point? I mean, he needs some reps, don't get me wrong, but right. there's no point in having him out there, you know, full time by any means. All right, Trev, what are your uh, favorite over-under bets? Over-unders, uh, these are team over-unders. 
Some quick ones. The Browns, eight and a half, going the under. Just think the Solomon Watson situation's too much for them. Uh, not seeing it with them this year. The Patriots, eight and a half, going under on them as well. Again, we talked about last week. I'll give Bill Bell check the the benefit of the doubt on a lot of stuff, but just not seeing it, especially in the tough AFC. The Bears, I found them a six and a half on Fox Bet. I was surprised it was six and a half. I, I figured it would have been right around five or five and a half. So I took the under on the Bears. Cowboys, 10 and a half on Fox Bet. Again, I figured that would have been about 10 or nine and a half. I took the under. They've lost a lot of players to free agency. And now Tyron Smith getting hurt. So taking the under on the Cowboys at 10.5. My last under is Washington at seven and a half. They just have a big mess going on everywhere Carson Wentz goes. We, we've talked about before, it, Carson Wentz is a mystery man. It just doesn't make any sense because he's got all the talent. Like you said, seems like a good guy on those hunting shows. But it just doesn't work wherever he goes. So I'm, I'm taking the Washington football team or whatever the hell their name is anymore these days under seven and a half. So those yeah, are my he, under he, he just must not be a very good leader. I mean, that's the only thing that can come down to it. I mean – he seems like an okay guy, but just must he must just try to do his thing and that's it and not try to to lead teams and stuff, I guess. Yeah, I, I can't figure it out, but I, it has to be something like that, right? I mean, he's just – there's too much turnover with him. There, there's something. I don't know what it is either. Because, right, again, he's that. won most places. I mean, overall. Like, you know, he's had bad games, and, and but, I mean, he's won. I mean, it's not like – the teams have been awful. Yeah, I, he he wins games. He, now he may not win twelve or thirteen, but right, he he wins. I mean, he's he's an adequate starting quarterback in this league. But there something's up. I, I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer. But given all the Washington stuff that they have going on right now with Dan Snyder, the stadium, they kind of underperformed on defense last year. So I, I'm just going to take the under on Washington at seven and a half. Um. Moving into the overs, just got a few here. The Chiefs are 10 and a half. I'm taking the over. Just out of respect out of Mahomes and Reed. That's it. No other explanation needed. Yep. Uh, the Dolphins, eight and a half. I'm going to go the over. I, I I think they brought in a ton of nice pieces. And I, I think they're going to be about a nine or ten win team this year. Steelers, seven and a half. I'm going over. I've talked about the Steelers multiple times. No need to really get into that. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. They're loaded everywhere but O-line, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. The final two teams, Vikings, eight and a half going the over. I think they'll be improved. The Packers will be a little bit worse. When I say a little, I mean a little. I don't mean drastically. Right. I think the Vikings can get, get to nine or ten wins. And then my final one is the Eagles, nine and a half. I'm going over. I'm really buying them what the Eagles are doing. A lot of people are. You get a lot of people saying that, you know, this is one of those teams that should be faded more than accepted, but I, I really like what the Eagles got going on. So those are my over-under uh, team wins. Okay. And then your your favorite bet of all time, the MVP bets. Well, did, did you have any that you had? Or were you just no, I mean, like I said, <laughs> uh, really the only one, I would fade the Eagles. I just think I hear everybody jumping on their bandwagon. So I'm one of those – I just I, – I want them to prove me wrong, I guess. 
Yeah, and it's it's a 50-50 split, it seems like. You got a lot of people that are heavy on them like I am. You got a lot of people like you that will believe it when we see it, which is fair because they have a, a second-year coach and really a third-year quarterback when really a second-year quarterback. Right. In yeah. sense. But So, no, I mean, I get both sides of that. Uh, the MVP, there's really three guys I'm focusing on. Well, four, I should say. Obviously, Josh Allen's a favorite. Yeah. I'm not going to bet him even though I want to, he lost Brian Dable, his offensive coordinator. But I believe the media is really behind Josh Allen. They felt bad for him in that AFC playoff game, divisional round, where the Chiefs scored of, what, 13 seconds left? Yeah. Uh, he probably should have won that game. But looking in, I like Herbert at 10-1. to 1. Yeah. You and I are big Herbert fans, about yep. as big as I get. I do. He's really, really good. Uh, I look at Joe Burrow at 13-1. to 1. Again, everyone loves Joe Burrow. He's got that that Joe Cool factor to him. Whether or not he ever wins a Super Bowl or not, he's just got that he's got that it factor that people like him. I think people vote for him. Stafford at sixteen to one, I think, is interesting. I don't know if I'm going to bet that one or not. And then two other ones, real quick, that I did bet long shots. I did bet Jalen Hurts at thirty three to one, and Derek Carr at thirty three to one earlier this year. So yeah, those are- I'd say. Those make both make sense. You know, if the Raiders could win the AFC West, yeah, Carr's going to be right there. I, you know, that's just what it is. And then obviously if, if the Eagles win 10 games, 12 games and win the NFC East, Hurts is going to be there, have a big year. So if those two teams are really, really good, those are good bets, Trev. Yep. Uh, one little prop bet that I had, who leads the league in receiving yards this year? I think Allen Robinson at 50 to one is worth a shot. He's playing with a real quarterback now. And then the other one I have is Juju Smith Schuster at 66 to one. He'll most likely be the Chiefs number one receiver. And say somebody has to be the number one receiver for the Chiefs. You know, so I, mean, I think it's 66 to one. That's that's not the worst, you know, throw four or five bucks on it. Not right. the worst, not the worst bet. We've talked about before. People throw four or five bucks on a, a Just cup don't of buy a cup of coffee one morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just moving in, uh, before we get into our, our final four picks, in our Super Bowl, I, I'm going to do my week one lines and my upset specials like I did last year. Okay. Last year, I went 57, 53 and one on spread picks, which I was actually surprised with, uh, cause I'm not very good at it. So to finish above 500 was, that was my goal. That's going to be my goal again this year and moving in. Uh, to the week one spreads. I'm going to take the Rams plus two and a half at home opening night versus the Bills. I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus six and a half on the road at the Bengals. I'm going to take the Lions plus four at home versus the Eagles, as much as I like the Eagles. I'm going to take the Texans plus eight and a half, DraftKings, if you're looking for that one, at home versus the Colts. Eight and a half is a lot. Yeah. I'm going to take the Dolphins minus three at home versus the Patriots. I think they roll the Patriots week one. I think that could be an ugly game, actually. Uh, one of Bill Belichick's worst losses as a head coach. And then the last two, I'm going to take the Jags plus three on the road at Washington. And my final one is the Vikings at home plus two versus the Green Bay Packers. And I have two upset specials, obviously, which would go back into the spreads. I have the Vikings beating Green Bay, and I have the Rams beating the Bills, both those teams playing at home. 
yeah, those both make sense. Um, yeah, I think Kirk Cousins has a 500 record versus Aaron Rodgers. Right. With the Vikings. I, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the Vikings have a new coach. The Green Bay has a bunch of new receivers. So, anyway, I'm betting probably way too many games week one, but I get excited and I have to – I have to bet a bunch of games. I can't just sit back and just bet one or two. <laughs> I, I hear you. I get that way too. So, and then right. uh, let's let's uh, do our let's do our final four picks here. Trav, you go first. Okay, AFC. I've got the Bills versus the Chargers. All right. And then NFC. NFC was actually tougher, which it shouldn't have been because I think there's less good teams. But I've got the Buccaneers versus the Eagles. Okay. And now how about you? Okay, so I got I got the Bills and the Chiefs. And then I've got the Rams and the Buccaneers. So really two repeats of not the championship games, but uh, the division uh, round last year. Both great games. Um, obviously, the Chiefs uh, came, came back in the last minute. And, you know, the Buccaneers came all the way back to take the lead, but then gave up uh, – the long pass to the Rams uh, for them. So both the Rams and the Chiefs probably should have lost those games, uh, but they did not. Okay. And Super Bowl pick for me. This was a tough one. I'm going to go with the Bucks making the Super Bowl over the Eagles, and it was close. I almost picked the Eagles because I love what they've done. But I, I like that the Buccaneers offseason drama is coming before the season. Yep. Rather than late in the season, that if you remember, that's the reason I picked against the Bucks versus the Rams in the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. they had the Antonio Brown, uh, the coaching situation. I'd rather come early than later. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Tom Brady's last little ride here. He's going to will his team. It's a Tom Brady effect. And then for the AFC game, it kills me to do it, but I'm going to pick the Chargers over the Bills. So Bucks right. and Chargers in the Super Bowl. All right, and I'm going to get a repeat of a couple of years ago. I'm going to do uh, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I just, I just think people are kind of counting the Chiefs out a little bit with Tyreek Hill leaving, uh, but Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are still there. They're going to be still really, really good, and I think they win the division again. And obviously, if you win that division, you have one heck of a chance. It would not shock me one bit if it is the Chargers or the Bills, but I'm going to take uh, the Chiefs. No, and I can't get wrong with that. At- I almost I had the Chargers for sure in the AFC Championship. I almost put the Chiefs over the Bills, but I just had to put the Bills there because I think they want a little bit of revenge. So yeah. I'm going a little bit different. I I almost had Eagles versus Chargers. I re, it was very close, but um, I got to give Tom Brady a little bit of respect here. His one final run, and yep. we'll see. But there there's a lot of good teams this year on paper, so. I think it should be a fun year in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. It always is. That's the best thing about the NFL is, you know, there's somebody that got last place in the division last year that's going to win their division. And there's somebody that got first place in the division that aren't going to make the playoffs. It happens every year. You know, a lot of people picking like, you know, um, the Ravens to do that. Um, or, you know, the or the Bengals not being very good this year. Um, I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl or anything, but I don't think they're going to fall that far off. Great thing about the NFL. I mean, you, you can look at about 16, 18 teams in this league, and they, they've really got a chance. So yep. the NFL, it's not like the NBA where you got about five or six teams, and that's about it. 
NFL, you got 12 to 14 to 16 even that really have a lot of hope. So that's a good thing. And then the final little thing I wanted to bring up, I know I shot you a text. We didn't talk about this before, but I think uh, moving forward, the last few minutes of each of our episodes each week, I want to do a, a segment called Remember Them. Quote okay. unquote. And what this is going to be is it could be NFL, college, high school, whatever level. And each week, each of us are going to nominate one player that wasn't a big name. We're not talking the Joe Montanas, the John Elways, the Vince Youngs, or the Tim Tebows. We're, we're going to nominate guys that were kind of role players or guys that played at smaller schools, maybe like at a K-State or Kansas that you watched when you were coaching that you really admired. And maybe they had like one or two good years. Or, for instance, in the NFL, maybe they had like a two, three, four-year stretch. Uh, and just kind of remember those guys that were – they were really good for a short period of time, but they weren't the all-time greats. I, I think it would be good to look back on on some of those role players, so to speak. And I'm sure I'll cover more NFL. I'm sure you'll cover more college. But I think it would be a good a good little segment just to close out each week where we remember the, the not-so-big-name guys. All right, so I'm gonna go. I, I can kind of do that right now, and I'm gonna okay. do more more than a, than a than a person. I'm gonna go about ten years ago, and I'm gonna go almost like a, a whole Big Twelve. You do you remember Kansas and Kansas Kansas and Missouri playing in Arrowhead Stadium as yep. number one and number two? Tommy Reesing was was Kansas quarterback. Chase Daniel was Missouri's quarterback. And it was one versus two. It was a big, big deal. And you just look at where those two teams are now. And it really wasn't that long ago that they were number one and number two in the country. That's exactly right. I'm glad you brought I, – I was hoping that was going to be one of your first ones. I, I didn't plan on it to be in tonight. But that that's exactly what I wanted this to be about. It wasn't that long ago. But Kansas State – or I mean, excuse me, Kansas and Missouri yep. Yep. were – both uh, national title contenders. Yep. That yeah. they played. And that's one of the biggest games in history down there. Right. Missouri, Missouri beat Kansas and then went to the Big 12 title game and got absolutely destroyed by Oklahoma. And then they all they went on to play, I don't know which bowl game. I think they went to the Cotton Bowl or something and lost. So they actually lost like two games in a row to end the season. And then Kansas, because they only had the one loss and they lost, you know, it's kind of weird back then, but Kansas went to the Orange Bowl and beat I think they beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl and you know they finished like fifth in the country at like 11 or 12 and one yeah and that that's exactly what I want this to be about little moments like that history where the real casual fans might not remember it you know you me people like Zach true football fans we do remember it but but we kind of forget about it so it doesn't even necessarily need to be a player but like you mentioned a moment in time where two teams that have been down for so long now, but it wasn't that long ago that those were two of the top five teams in the nation. Right. So that's, that's what I want this little segment to turn into at the end of each episode. It doesn't have to be very long. It can be a player. It can be a couple teams like you mentioned, maybe a bowl game experience, whatever, just yep. uh, that that's, that's like the perfect one right there though, because if you told people nowadays, young people, that those teams were ranked where they were ranked, they wouldn't believe you. And right. it wasn't well, – You got to even think about right after Missouri went to the SEC, Missouri won two SEC East titles. They played in the in the title game. They lost, 
They weren't to Alabama and LSU, I think, uh, maybe to Auburn, you know, but SEC, they won two SEC East titles. So Missouri hasn't been awful for that long. No, they've been down lately. Uh, but just like you said, it hasn't been that long where they were really damn good. So yep. that, that's what right. I'm hoping. I, I know you're going to do yours. What's yours, Trev? I didn't have one for this week. Okay. I didn't know you I, I well, I will. I'll throw out Jeff Garcia. Okay. You remember Jeff Garcia in the NFL? He had a pretty yep. good three-year stretch there with the 49ers. Yep. Uh, he won like over 30 games, made the playoffs, uh, threw like 12,000 yards, like 70 touchdowns. Jeff Garcia was going to be my first guy for the NFL. And I don't know exactly what happened, but he had a good three- or four-year run there with the 49ers. Yep. Again, a real – NFL fans will remember him. The casual ones won't. But that's what I want to turn it into is just just remembering some of these guys that were that were pretty good for a short period of time, or just like you mentioned with the the Kansas and the Missouri. I, I think that's a perfect example. So hopefully that'll awesome. be a good segment moving forward. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Trev, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. Sounds good. All right. Bye.